Welcome back to Last Night Recap, the serious but not talk show that recaps the EMEA and America's APOVDU chat in about 45 minutes. I'm your host, Martin Coots, and I'm joined as ever by my friends and colleagues. Let's start with Mr. Matthew Pullen. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Very well, thank you, yes. Um... Nice, we've got the leak and thistle leak connection. Leak and thistle connection, yeah. Uh, it sounds like I'm a drip, though, doesn't it? Calling me a leak. If people don't, if people don't understand the word <laughs> connection there, I'm just leak. Yeah. <laughs> but with a thistle, I think it could be argued that I'm there. <laughs> moving on. Um, how's your day been? Uh, good, yeah. Uh, visiting students out in school, seeing what they've been up to. They started their teaching practice last Monday, so... Um, you know, they, they're getting stuck in now, so it's just, just nice to see how they're getting on with things and, um, you know, supporting them where I can to be the, the future teachers that we want them to be. Excellent. So kind of moulding the next generation of teachers. Love yep. to hear it. Speaking of someone who likes to mould things to the way he wants, certainly mounds of ice cream. Johan, what's the scoop? Uh, the scoop is that I've um, visited two wonders of the world today which is one beautiful rainbow across the city of Stockholm. It was uh, an amazing experience, actually. So um, I was overlooking the whole city, and there was uh, a kind of weather, which we like, Martin. We like to talk about the weather. Oh, was it cold and wet? It was sunny and wet at the same time. But I must say, it was the most extraordinary... Uh, rainbow I've, I have ever seen. I shared it with my son, so it was uh, a really cool thing, and it makes you think sometimes. Nice. But um, as well, the other thing is that I was watching a lot of American football, which is uh, very weird at the time because the league is a bit different. So I took you down there, and uh, being boring in the end, uh, which I'm trying to be with the weather. Anyways, so go on. Nice. No, 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 no. It's uh, it's it's nice to hear that you were having. Do you know what I love about you know rain and the sun at the same time is the smell when the rain hits the the sort of the warm the warm tarmac. That's Definitely, it's a Borneo. That's just an awesome smell. smell. Actually, yeah. the chemical compound that comes out of dirt is is which is uh, even more boring. So let's go on. <laughs> let's move on yes let's uh, go across the pond and um welcome our last host hey Kurt. hey guys how's it going good how are things with you uh, it's been um, a creative journey um for the past few days i have uh i've been lucky to participate in the big draw um i was yeah, going to say I'll tell us that. a little bit about that uh, um, for people who don't know yeah so um one of yeah. the the things that's happening this month is um, the big draw, focusing on drawing. Um, the other thing mm-hmm. that's happening is called Inktober. Yeah. Inktober. Um, yeah. So um, encouraging you to to draw certain items every day. And I think, um, what are we today? The 10th? Oh, no, sorry, the yeah. 7th. So today's... Yeah, no, yeah, the so 7th. Today is, um, you have to draw something that's enchanted. Um, and you can find the whole list if you follow uh, Inktober on Twitter. Um, but I was coming from the uh, the big draw, and I uh, got the chance to meet Rob Zilla, who came all the way over from uh, from LA, 
And um, he's done a lot of drawing um, for sports teams. And he does all of his drawing on mm -hmm. iPad. And I got to um, play a little, little bit around with Adobe Fresco, which is a new mm. app. And um, it's, it's similar to Procreate. I still feel Procreate is a little bit more advanced for me um, than, than Fresco. Yeah. Um, the wonderful thing about Fresco is that it does uh, pixel brushes, watercolor brushes, and then does vector drawing. So um, he showed me that, like, zoomed in at 12,800%, how crystal, crystal clear his drawings still were. Um, so anyone who's interested in that, just sign up this month for uh, today at Apple Workshop. Um, the one that I'm looking forward to going is by the, the person who designs the Marvel comics. Um, name mm -hmm. escapes me right now, but that's a session that's going to happen in uh, two weeks um, in Washington. I need to look at the yeah. current ones, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, like these yeah. are in specific stores. You won't find them everywhere. Um, but yeah. Probably in the bigger cities, you'll have access to them. And it's just really nice to, to see the workflow behind it. And, and what Rob did that really resonated with me, which is maybe a good idea um, for everyone listening, is next time you have to do a presentation of something. He used um, Adobe Spark. Um, oh, particularly yeah. Spark page to get his whole portfolio into a website and then he scrolled through it so you saw the examples and the tips he wanted to give you um, so it was a really hands-on inspiring um, session that he was doing in the Apple store on the big screen Kurt I actually have a question for you if Shoot. it's alright yeah so you know um messages are quite important and we're talking about like the one of the deepest messages that ever been is like when john lennon walks into joko ono's uh, exhibit in new york and he's climbing up the ladder and washing up on the ceiling and it says yes instead of no mm -hmm. which actually makes him really interested in yoko ono so it's a very strong message that was positive yeah, I've seen on your shirt, it's a mes message that says we. Oh, yeah. And I really love that as well. I just saw it like, yeah, a couple of days ago. Yeah. So what's, what's the idea with that? I'm so that comes curious. from a local artist in Atlanta, um, or Atlanta, as I should say. Um, and um, it's kind of like... A community of, of artists, but the, the significance for me for the we is in my way of teaching. Um, there's yeah. never the, the I. Um, I mean, we talked about it a few podcasts ago. Um, I strongly believe in that team, in that spirit that the collective genius bringing that to the table can get more done than just the, uh, the individual. So um, that we represents a lot for me. Um, mostly my way of thinking of, of how to tackle things in the world. Okay, cool. Thank you. Wow, Kurt, that actually sounds like uh, a lot of fun. So what I'll do is I'll put a link into the show notes about the big draw so that people can see um, that it might be happening because it selects stores. It might, um, it might be that there's one happening near them. So awesome. Well, I think the first thing on everyone's lips, Kurt, is... Um, Hashtag where's cut. So I think we might want to take a guess. I think Matt, you've been quite quiet, so why don't you start? I think he's in New York. No. I think oh. you, I, I thought you like 
close. I'll be there. Still, uh, on still my keep Peter. you on Twitter didn't help me this week either. <laughs> <laughs> Johan, New Jersey then. No, 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 no. If you looked at my Twitter. Washington, exactly, Washington, D.C. Exactly. I was oh, at Carnegie Hall. Come on, I saw that you were at Carnegie, oh. Carnegie Hall, so that's yeah. good. I wanted to, like, so, Kurt, seeing as, you're in the, yeah, seeing as you're in the American capital, why don't you, uh, you know, in your best uh, Donald Trump impression, tell us what's coming up in tonight's show. Oh, I don't know if I can make that impression. <laughs> it's going to be huge. Make that. Um, it's, be, it's the best show ever. <laughs> we're going to make last night we kept great again. Um, I think with, with the four of us, we're doing pretty good. Um, and combining that that rainbow that Johan saw with the um, visiting of the classrooms, um, that like lets me slide into the two topics that we have this week, which was digital feedback on the EMEA site and celebrating teachers past, present and future. And, and the focus in that one was a lot on the future and those uh, teachers. So I'm, I'm curious to hear um, what that will lead to. Uh, as we hear your opinions come through, um, to round it up, the hashtag of the week, and Martin's putting the notes in, but if you want to see what's happening on the big draw, go on to social media, Twitter, Instagram, hashtag the big draw, have a look at it, or hashtag draw to life, and hashtag Inktober if you want to jump into the drawing challenges. And that's what's coming up. I also think that we might have a special guest, and of course, Jingles with Max, and questions uh, with Matt. Uh, <laughs> hey, look, I pushed play, so it's my jingle. <laughs> hey, the best artists steal out, right, man? Daddy rules. Daddy rules. Yeah. Well, guys, it sounds like we've got a packed show, so why don't we get started right after this? Here we go, guys. It is time to recap the EMEA side of Apple EDU chat. As Kurt said, last week's chat was all on digital feedback. It was hosted by Aaron Jelly, and he is at Jelly, J-E-L-L-E-Y, E-D-U, E-D-U, sorry, on Twitter. Um, it was quite a, it was a good chat. I was uh, managing to, to look at some of them. I was a wee bit late getting back, but as always, let's start with the tweet of the week. And this week it comes from Jacob Wilcock, um, who's just slowly but surely coming up with some really sort of good ideas and points. I'm liking a lot of the stuff he's sharing just now. Um, and it was just in response. It was just a, it wasn't in response to a question. It was just an outright one. It said, I think for digital feedback to be successful, it needs to be a whole school approach in many ways. It needs to be a key part of the marking and feedback policies and understood by both staff and pupils. That's a big paradigm shift for many. I quite like the sentiment of that because, you know, Matt's and, well, all of us, but Matt, you and I have had quite a lot of conversations about this um, whole school approach um, to things and how the conversation actually has to start at the top and has to be driven, you know, it has to be driven from leadership. Yeah, it's you know it's one of those things where I think probably ten years ago I was hell bent on saying you can change things from the bottom up, and although I still believe you can influence things from the bottom up, if if leadership don't take things on board, it's it's very difficult to make it whole school priority. Um, here, you can here. hugely yeah. influence the people around you, but if you get anybody who's even slightly reticent to join in you need it to be a whole school you know initiative and you need it to come as a directive from above otherwise um it, it becomes a you versus them kind of battle so um yeah seeing 
a, a lot in that chat, I think, on Tuesday, Martin, where people were talking yeah. about their approaches. And I think everything did come back to that whole school vision and, and everybody buying into it. Uh, they might all be at different levels, but everyone bought into it. Uh, and it, and the, the outcomes, you know, in lots of the, the examples that were shared sort of showed for themselves the impact it was having. So, uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's the key thing was, yes, the, the sort of the 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 apps were, were being spoken about quite a lot. Yeah. Underlying to that was the fact that there was this sort of consistent approach. If we take, you know, like St. Cyrus, for example, who, um, you know, a secondary school where, you know, there are teachers who are giving digital feedback through, you know, Google Classroom or Shobi or whatever system they're using. But it doesn't matter if they're in an art class or a music class or a design and technology class. The, the approach is consistent. Pupils are, are you know, they're, they're getting a consistent approach in terms of it doesn't matter what lesson they're in. They know that if they go into Mr. Coots's class or Mr. Pullen's class or Mr. Anderson's class, that they're going to get feedback in the same way. So there's no surprises for them in yeah. terms of what am I doing in this class? And, and it, it all thing, comes right? down to that. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing because you know if every teacher does it differently that means it's really confusing for those those learners and that's probably the fastest way to disengage a group of students even if it ultimately has better impact than than traditional means of giving feedback if i'm doing it through several different processes all the time you just lose yeah. track and lose will to to even focus on the feedback because you you know you're so busy wondering which app do i have to go into to get this class feedback so yeah, definitely that whole school um, vision for for an approach is is essential, really. Do you feel, guys, that Thanks that's so. app, app driven, or should or well, you know, probably know what you're going to say, but like, is it app driven, or should it be driven by the way you want to give feedback? <laughs> I think a lot of people start. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we all know the answer to this, but I think you know, yeah. taking taking ourselves out of the equation and taking uh, looking at the approach that some people take, and maybe being able to give them the, the wisdom of our experience, whatever, you know, uh, you know, calling the three of us or the four of, four of us wise, you know, however good that is. But, you know, benefiting from the wisdom of experience, I think a lot of teachers maybe start off thinking that it has to be app driven and, it, you know, that they have to use a certain app for this or, you know, I mean, digital feedback can be as easy as snapping a picture and do, doing markup, but it's the process. It's getting the pupils used to realizing that, you know, they're not going to get a, a, a bit of paper back from me that has the feedback on it. They're maybe going to have me sitting down verbally giving them feedback or I'm going to share that with them digitally. So I think the, the, the process is, is, for me, always going to be underlying, but initially i think for people to get over that hurdle of how they're giving feedback is to pick one app or one process stick to that build up the confidence of giving feedback digitally get used to how this is going to change and affect their practice and then look at focusing on that skill set mark do you think there's an element in there though of, of sometimes you have to play with the apps to see what the possibilities are and sometimes when you if you don't know what the possibilities are, it's hard to kind of come up with that approach that you might like to take. So therefore, Choice, if you, if you yeah. play with a Shobi or a Seesaw or a Google Classroom, whatever it might be, and see what you can do, you can then shape what do we want to do and then go back then to say, well, what's the best approach for us? So it's almost like mm -hmm. a yeah, whole, totally. whole part whole, we used to call it in PE, where you, yeah. you have to see the whole picture first 
before you can drill down to the bit that you want to focus on. And then you can go back to saying, okay, well, then this is our whole school approach to do it. And I think St. Cyrus kind of summed that up in, in their approach where I know Damien and, and Rich are kind of trying to explore other approaches now to mm-hmm. see what the possibilities are, to then go back to leadership to say, look, we've tried this, we've tried this, we've tried this. This is what works for our students. Um, and this is probably the best way for us to do it. Yeah, but I'm I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. That you need for for that school or for that municipality or for every whatever you're doing, it's the same app or, or the same of what is what will you say like a, a, a objective a, a group of yeah. apps? Oh yeah, like yeah. saying yeah. Google or whatever. Yeah. So so, but for me, it's really important that they have all the different levels of what you need to do, yeah. which is the answer to Kurt's question. Because for me, it's really important that I can have different levels of engaging and and being personal within that digital feedback. Because in my in my mind, I think that personal feedback with the person in the room is the most important that you can ever give. Um, but it can have a really good level of giving different kind of personalities, different kind of feedback. So, for example, uh, let's say that you want to be personal still in the digital form. You can be um, telling them with the voice message, mm-hmm. which is still personal. You can be very warm or you can be having a feeling that helps that student. But you can also be in text that actually takes you back and it leaves that person to not be being uh, that you are not personal with that person. Do you understand yeah, what I'm no, saying? I, so yeah, you yeah, can yeah. go from very, very personal to very not yeah. personal, which I find is a very strong thing that you can do and you can manipulate that within a group where I know I have different kind of people as students. And I think that's really important. But I still want the same group of, like you're saying, uh, this school are doing the communication within this group of apps that cannot change too much. I do agree about that. Yeah. So that's what let me, I um, Let me ask the question to you guys in, in this way then. Um, what do you think is important then in, in giving feedback before I can get to the, to the point of choosing um, what kind of digital tool is going to help me? Like I hear audio feedback. Um, is that the only thing? Or in, in this no, no, audio... it's, it's all of it, all, all the, all the range. We know that, and I know you, you know yeah, that. Yeah, fishing. You're I know. being very I mean, pedagogical yeah, know, when you're asking yeah, these yeah, questions. Yeah. So I think, and and you're right to do that. And I think it's from video to that's very personal, maybe, or just being in the room, but at the first time, and then I'm going trying back. to avoid but the oh, um, like now. The easiest way of of giving assessment is still. Um, not even I'm not even talking digital. Is that you do a fill in the blanks or you do a test yeah. and um, oh you get your God. marker yeah. out okay. and you get a grade and maybe yep. some some text. Yeah, and that's it. Um, and then as so, a student, as a learner, you have to figure it no. out. I'm, I, I want to be concerned about snapping pictures and then the teacher giving you a little emoji or a thumb up or like a quick like, oh, that's that's well done. Like yeah. you talk about authentic feedback. Um, getting to know your student, helping him through the process. And I still feel a struggle sometimes where, where we think that we have to evaluate and assess an end product. 
And then it all no, this comes is, at me. Oh, no, sorry. no, go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> sorry. Uh-huh. No, this is actually um, an open question or a question or an activity that gives them the opportunity to answer in the way they, that they want to create. So what they have created, that's what you need to get, uh, uh, give feedback on, not something that you have created that they have to do. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my idea here. Talking so, about equity so last week, yeah, like being able to choose yeah, totally. how you want to um, show your learning, not even your knowledge and your skill, just your your learning and your way of thinking. And then, how are we assessing that? How are we giving feedback? I mean, the most important lesson on feedback that I've learned comes from you, Johan, where you said, as a as a dancer, um, the feedback is immediate because if you make a mistake and you do your step the wrong way. And you create that muscle memory and you do it over and over and over again. So how do you yeah. give feedback in that? Knowing Matt and a PE background, feedback's going to be different for a PE teacher because that has to be instant too. You can't wait till the next yeah. lesson and say, oh, guys, are you changed already? Okay, get back in, into the gym. And um, these are the remarks I have from last time. So... Yeah, and I think it's really important as well to uh, do two things. I I know you probably agree with me about this, is that sometimes there's an open question when you can answer in all the ways you want to do, and then maybe you, you tell them, uh, work with your strength where you're the best, or work with when you're the worst. What's your most difficult way of, of learning or, or to to really strengthen that? And sometimes you say, now we're going to make film because we need to learn how to do that. So you really need to be a teacher or a, what do you say, um, director or a yeah, yeah, yeah. choreographer mm-hmm. within that teaching. Like you all, I know you all like. And I think to direct people is what we have to do. Okay, so so my thoughts on this as much as I completely agree with, with everything that's been said, and I'm not going to be controversial now, opening my line with that. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah. (laughs) but, but it is a big, but right. So, so we all get that. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. how often is, is the education system around us all led to that last point? So if I intervene and support throughout and give feedback throughout the concern for lots of teachers is, Whose work is the end product? Because I always remember when I used to mark work in our BTEC sport course, we -hmm. were told we can only give like advice and feedback on students' work like three times. Any more than that, it it ended up being my work because I was telling them what to do. That was a thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This really works. Yeah. Brings it to the beginning of your conversation. Oh my God. But when I taught PE, I can mm-hmm. stop a, ch- a, a child every two seconds and say, oh, right, okay, when you're doing this, try this instead, and then they'd improve. And then you'd say, all oh, right, okay, when you try this, do this, and then they'd improve. And that was fine. So it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Johan, is in those practical subjects, we can intervene and intervene and give that verbal feedback and verbal cues yeah. to improve, and we get amazing end products. Yet in the classroom, yeah. if I do it too much, I'm helping them too much and I'm they they end up doing what I've told them as opposed to doing what they think and it, it's I think that's where the confusion lies. Yeah, that comes down so to the question the, yeah that comes on, what, yeah. yeah so what's the point with uh teaching children I guess your countries have the same answer is as Sweden to make them a good citizen 
of the nation that you're in. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Responsible. We have agree? responsible citizens. Responsible. Yeah. yeah. Responsible in 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 Scotland. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so what I'm saying is like they're not supposed to know how to be adults. We're supposed to help them to learn how to be adult. And you need to practice with help to become a good adult. They're not supposed to know before. But, that, but that's the point, and that's where so the I issue totally, is, isn't it? It's, it's... it's not an issue because I tell my son, I give him as much help as I think is is good. So I challenge, but I help. There's no rules of how much I need to do it or not. It doesn't matter if it's practical, if it's theoretical. It's in my view. So you should help them as much as you can because you need to lead. And then you challenge them. After you led them, you challenge them to do it on their own until you see they can't do it. You help them again and then they do it again. It's not like you, I don't know. That's my point. No, I, yeah, I completely yeah. agree. And like, you know, I, I'll uh, take one of my students, for example, because she, she messaged me the other day saying she was struggling with school. Um, and she's an NQT now, so she's got a job, she's in school. But I will always see her as a student of mine. She's passed the test, she's done the exams, all of that, but she still needed help. So I helped her, you know? And, and not to say, yeah. oh, no, you've had three years of a degree course, you know what to do now, and you're out on your own. It's exactly as you said, you know, you, you help them, you, you let them go and try it for themselves. And if they then still need more help, you help them some more. But does, exactly. but does that happen in classrooms when the end result is taken? No, account? I'm not saying, but we yeah. should. Oh, no. no, no, that's yeah. uh, yeah. that's why they, we play to the test, yeah? yeah? I was one of those kids who said, oh, I've, I've got these grades. If I can, can get a seven now, then I just can can pass. Yeah. And that's all I needed. So if you know how to play but the system, you better. can rig it. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I've had teachers yeah. who pushed me, who knew me. Um, who knew what interested me. So we're talking about the teacher as the sole person over yes. here giving feedback. Is that the only person you go to, to when you ask for feedback? When you work on a project, like we, for, for this podcast, ask for feedback to our spouses, to our friends, to our peers. There's no teacher grading us. Yeah. No? No. That's it. So. And I think it's, I think that kind of sums it up. I think it's the fact that feedback can take all forms, all shapes and sizes. The The conversation that we are trying to have is, you know, and, and, and this has been an absolutely brilliant, I think it's always good when we get to this stage and we haven't even covered the question that we're wanting to recap. Um, <laughs> but that actually just shows how much we, we all have an opinion on this. I say as much as I have an opinion on this, it was it was me kind of sitting back and just being a listener to, to some of the great points that you've had. I think what, what, what can be quite difficult for, for a lot of people is that because, like you're saying, Matt, that end product, what are we doing? And like you were saying as well, Johan, what are we expecting our pupils to do? Sometimes our expectations and the education authority expectations are two completely different things. There's, there's sometimes a, an old adage, whether it's true or not, but teaching to the test. We're not actually teaching them to... We're not, we're not teaching them the skills that they need for sometimes teaching them the ability to pass 
this one assessment on this one day of this year that's then going to determine the rest of their lives, but how they deal with feedback. So our job in class and in school becomes how do they deal with feedback? What does good feedback look like? How can they grow? How can they move? And as you're, you've, you've all eloquently put it, it's, you know, we know our students, we know our pupils, we know our peers. And it's, I think it's making sure that everything we, we say is both valid is constructive and it gives room for growth without a room for growth without you know and not by necessarily leading their ha- leading their um leading their hands through it but giving them room for growth and room to develop and like you say you know as you've all said but as you as you actually look at here's what you need to do to improve here's what you've done that's good but here's what you could do to make it even better i think that's always what whether it's verbal whether it's digital whether it's anything that you're doing that's what good feedback looks like here here so on that or too quick <laughs> i said yeah yeah too quick to call it too quick to call it cheating um, this is that yeah when it's helping yeah well i mean i want to be respectful of the time and we'll uh we'll, we'll continue that no as with most of these guys we could keep these conversations go- going for a full hour just on a single topic i'm going to put the the wakelet into the show notes as i would normally uh kurt when we come back how about you uh, talk about future teachers past present and future well well uh assessment will be one part of it i think oh i think so mm. Welcome back after that heated discussion. Um, I think that's going to be the talk for at least till the next week where we uh, re-record this podcast. Um, (laughs) Talking about just one part of that, um, it was World Teacher Day on Saturday. Um, So celebrating all the teachers all over the world. And that was the topic, celebrating teachers past, present and future. And um, we had Joe Welsh, who won National Teacher Award um, over here in the U.S., and Johnny Tisklint um, running that Twitter chat. Now, I've picked out two questions for you guys. And before I'm going to do that, I'm going to jump into the tweet of the week, which I pulled out, which could have been the one, um, as you asked me about the T-shirt, this could be a nice one that goes onto a T-shirt. Um, Joe said, I recently heard the mantra, it's a risk to never take a risk. Um, it's a family member of his that uh, quoted that and he says i think the same applies to the classroom take risks and put yourself out there for your students it's worth it so that trying to take risks um instead of always saying like um talking about failure and and embracing failure i think that taking the risk trying something new um even with assessment what we just talked about um so thinking about that and and going into this this next question you guys have been in education for, for a long time. I think maybe combined we're getting close to, to 100 years of, of uh, education. <laughs> well, it feels like that's it. A, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. a sobering thought. That, that, yeah. might be the, that might be the beard thing. I mean it in a, in a good, uh, good way, guys. Um, <laughs> the, the question was, teaching is an art. From the time that you entered the field today, how has your teaching story evolved? So you probably learned, you failed, um, tried something out. I'll, I'll go first. And I remember I was in my first year out of out of uh, university into the classroom, and I came from a year six to a year one. And I I kind of treated the kids in the same way. So um, 
there wasn't enough of a thematic approach. Um, there was too much of an assumption. Um, I, I said, oh, there's the agenda. Uh, and we had to like copy it in the end of the, end of the day. Um, and then the kids were like, wait, what? We haven't even learned how to write that word. So then my colleague um, gave me all these stickers to paste in their um, agenda so that the parents at home knew what the homework was. Um, I'm not going to start the, is homework necessary in grade one um, <laughs> discussion. But what hel- helped me was my principal saw that, that I was was swimming at that time and almost drowning. And then we had a teacher who was, in the field for for like more than 25 years and she helped me out um getting through so it's a constant involvement and i haven't even talked about using technology so i'm looking forward to hearing your stories how how you grew because now some of you are consultants some of you work for a company you've been a dancer a biologist like how does that go wow (laughs) that nice story question yeah Um, yeah like what's your story how did you get into to teaching and and how did you grow and and mean somewhere the three of you found your passion in technology that's a constant grow in i know keeping up with the new ipad os ios mac os and that's just one platform so how are you growing i I think my my start if i if i um I, i think apple put a tweet out about you know you know, why did you get into teaching? And I think I, I wanted to look all the way back to that very start. Now, I was a PE teacher. Um, I loved PE, PE as a child. Um, and, but my reason for becoming a PE teacher was not because I loved sport. It was because I saw what bad PE teaching can do to those that didn't love mm. sport. Mm-hmm. And that was my reason to do it. And I think ever since then, I've always wanted to champion the forgotten kids that the system doesn't work for them so in PE if you're good at sport great you're going to have an excellent experience but what about the percentage that didn't love rugby or love football so I kind of always wanted to champion those kids and and help them and that that hasn't changed technology has just become my new enabler for helping the kid who doesn't like to do it the traditional way so that's that's kind of my journey. That's that's kind of my growth. Finding new ways to help kids that don't don't get it the way that the norm get it. And I hate to use the word norm when it comes to children because mm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I fight against that all the time. But it it, yeah. it it kind of makes sense when you say it in that way. The the non traditional approaches for for students and yeah. So finding new ways using technology to help a, a student is is the thing that drives me on and helps me grow and learning from other people and seeing successes in classrooms or, or reading successes of, of teachers on Twitter or whatever it might be is that's where I get my inspiration and growth from, I guess. Awesome. Is there a specific teacher um, any of you guys want to like call out that said, oh, it's because of, of or maybe a few, hopefully a few, um, that changed your approach to learning or your thinking about school or education and, and that you maybe even tried to mimic now um, once you became a teacher yourself, yeah, so, I got yeah. I, I've um, there was a there was a teacher who I'd, I was that kid at school that was always kind of the the teacher's pet style. I was always 
I was always sort of on good terms with my teachers, never really had any issue. And it didn't help that my mum was on the school board and ran the school board. So um, I couldn't get away with anything at school, even if I wanted to. Um, but there was a few teachers who knew me outside of school, but also knew my approach to learning. And there was one uh, called Mr. Ferry. And Mr. Ferry was my history teacher who ended up becoming my head of year. Um, and just the the kind of the the way that he approached teaching he was very approachable he was um someone that it didn't matter what you had to say or what you had to you could go and speak to him about absolutely anything and the fact that uh, you know there was this other teacher there was this other sort of person in my life outside of my parents who I always told everything to but there was always this this teacher at school that I could go and speak to about things. And I always wanted to be, I, I never thought I would be a teacher, but I thought if I was going to be a teacher, I would be like him simply because I've, I, I've always wanted to be approachable. And that was the kind of teaching style that I tried to have. Johan, I know you've had a big influence by, uh, by a certain teacher too. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, maybe, uh, but that was um, a dance teacher. In a, in a sense, uh, teacher's was, a teacher, yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a guide definitely. that comes and influences your life, definitely. Yeah, it's a woman that was uh, actually the best in the world, she was really, really special. Um, literally, um, the man who invented the all the Latin, Latin steps in, in Latin American dancing, he was f- working as an engineer for, for British Airways, or no. The what do you what do you call it a r a r f a or Royal F- Flights R A F the Royal Your, Air Force no the Air Force Royal yeah, Air Force R A F R A F oh sorry yeah. sorry about that so um, she was a young woman coming from South America uh, and uh, no South Africa yeah so she was a South African came back to London. Uh, I think she was 18 and he was much older and he just met her and she was a really cool dancer. She um, started dancing with him and she actually went home to him and his basement and and worked out all days uh, as he was at work and then they worked all night. And literally um, she started dancing, danced for five years. One Everything except her first dance competition, where she came number three, I think, three world championships, and that's like literally how you are committed, I think. So she was a really good experience for me. But my way of starting um, was actually I was a professional dancer, and I have a PhD in uh, science biology. And I wanted to make a change for me. And uh, I wanted to uh, not be working all nights, all week and everything as you do as a dancer. So I thought uh, I'd love to be a teacher. And I was a dance teacher before. So I thought, let's be a science teacher. So I went into the Swedish schools and um, I uh, actually got the book for the science book and I thought what's this it's should we keep to this this is how you this is not how you do science because it's not how you do when you do your PhD 
So I threw that book away and I got the white MacBook that you know of. So I opened up that, I used the curriculum and I op- opened the blog. And then I was a real uh, pain in the ass to my students for a year. But after that year, they loved me because I never answered a single question. I only did pure science with them from a problem-solving point of view. And that's how I did it. So I've never been without technology in school, literally. And that's my story. So you're trying to like, be the guide for your students and not give them all, uh, all the answers up front. Um, yeah, literally, because that's the only way I knew it. And, yeah. and I gave feedback directly because of my dancing. And so literally ignorance was my well, starting It's nice point, to, to you know, make a way. link from, a, from another field. Um, I mean, talking about being in, inspired and, and celebrating teachers. Um, I know, Matt, um, you sent me a request um, on, on kind of like wanting to, to play around with the idea of um, the distinguished ones and um, how people became teachers. And, and you took it into a book format um, for students, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, looking through your distinguished ones um, book and, and, you know, hearing a few, a few of the podcasts now, kind of wanted to, to have something that I could use that format to talk to, to my students about the reasons why you do the job you do in spite of all the hardships. So almost wanted to just interview people and say, you know, what gets you out of bed every day, um, regardless of the amount of marking and the tight budgets and all of that, why do you still go back? Um, because I think there's all too much negativity around teaching and yeah. we know that you know we're still in it for, for the right reasons and is that broadcast enough to, to like the likes of my students or, or are they just going to read things uh in the press or, or watching the news um or heaven forbid the thing that actually pushed me to do this go on social media and hear comments from educators albeit a whimsical throwaway silly comment about it being end of term or whatever but that negativity around the job and I, I almost wanted to counter that with something a bit more positive and say you know yeah it's hard but life's hard sometimes and the reason we do this is is x y or z um and it was it was it's one of those things Kurt and you, you could probably agree to this you, you set out doing something for one reason and then you learn a whole lot more in the process oh, yeah. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I was hugely inspired by talking to these people. Lots of them who I spoke to a million times before, but just hearing their story from a different angle or or in a one to one environment just changed changed my thought process about what they do and and made me think differently about what I do. Yeah, and and Jakob is uh, Jakob um, Aspen Hansen is doing the same or similar thing now, where I think it's a breakfast. Um, uh, talk um, with teachers and educators um, from all over over the world, um, and we'll we'll add those links um, so you can be inspired by all the amazingly great teachers out there who, as Matt said in the beginning of this this question, um, see something in people and in in learners that um, they don't see in themselves, and then make yeah. them rise above. and And that's what drives me because I had a teacher who saw something in me that I didn't see. Um, talking about seeing things that we, we might not see ourselves 
I love the learning that uh, Matt and Max are going through <laughs> when we get into the jingles. And as you hear the little bridge being, being built up, I think it's time to see how far are we in the learning process of Max and the jingles and Matt <laughs> pressing play, if that's going to be tuned together um, when we come back after this jingle. That's a very summary feeling. Someone's oh. been playing with some effects, I think. <laughs> that he was, was energy and, he, I mean, such a speed. And, and I, I loved it. It's like yeah. I was on a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> See, when I do the jingles, you're never that positive with my work. But um, Well, there's yeah. ladies, time, there's ladies in, the, in the room now. So oh, that, that, we'll that's very well. <laughs> which, which leads me on to the, this special uh, edition of Questions with Matt. And I am delighted to welcome a live guest with us today. Cassie Williams, welcome to Hi. Last Night Recap. Woo! How are Hi, you? Hi, everyone. Hey, Hello. Cassie, welcome. Thank this you for all, having me. This is all very exciting. It's a first for us on the show. So, Cassie, um, when I spoke to you last week and, and you said you'd love to come on the show, um, we, we were kind of in the midst of doing Apple Apple RTC conference. Um, but the build-up this week is EU Code Week. So mm -hmm. my question to you is, what are you and your school doing um, around coding for the week? Um, this year for EU Code Week, we're specifically looking at our coding clubs and our enrichment provisions. So what we're doing outside of our regular lessons. Um, and the code club packs that you can get with Apple um, from the Apple Teacher Learning Center are what we are using specifically because the sessions and activities are broken down so well that our code club um, teachers that are kind of staff within the school that aren't experienced coders are able to use them. And in our code clubs, we've got a real mix of uh, to code um, and children that are new to it. So it's a really great opportunity for some collaboration between children of different age groups as well. So that's nice. So you, so this isn't a, a club which is set for a specific year group. It's, it's open no, to all years. No, yeah. It's year, well, it's year three to year six. Yeah. So like seven to 11. Um, and they, I, you know, there, there's a lot of things you can do out there in code clubs, but they sort of struggle to find a project to keep at um right. and the code club resources from swift and or from the block-based coding that you can get on the apple teacher learning center have been really useful for my code club organizers and you said that they're they're not necessarily experienced coders does how does that work yeah. with those that kind of level of of kind of um fear i guess of doing coding for the first time well i would say i mean i say to my teachers as well so when we teach our computer science and coding lessons in our school or you know if suddenly someone says to you at the drop of a hat can you take code club this week because the person's not here um there's 
ample resources out there to use to help you but not only that there's stuff that is designed and written by experts you know if you're a teacher about to teach a history unit that you've not taught in a while and suddenly you're doing the Romans when last year you were doing the Anglo-Saxons or whatever you don't panic about the fact you don't remember that knowledge you go and find that knowledge and you find it from somewhere that you trust um and that's you know reputable and we're really lucky in the UK that we have you know computing at school barefoot computing um we have Apple and um you know stuff with Google and Microsoft as well they're all out there that's offering teachers these resources to help them kind of get to grips with coding and the other thing as well is that you know in the beginning when you're first start starting to teach it the real simple things that you need to know um you don't need to have access to a device to be able to teach those kind of unplugged teaching steps around com- computational thinking and debugging and algorithms you know you can just do with your class and um you know a, a pretend robot or however you want to do it I think that's I think that's that's really key as well, isn't it? That um, you don't have to have all the equipment under the sun to do these things, guys. Yeah. And anything you want to sort of add in um, to the conversation there, whilst whilst Cassie's kind of sharing what her experience is, anything that you guys have got to, to add around coding and confidence? Hmm. No, what's <laughs> no, it sounds you like really cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking if you if you just doing anything or if you have a theme that you're going through just to make it more. Uh, I don't know if it's more fun with the theme, but anyways. So yeah, um, yeah. I think art is around um, create because it was a theme in our school last year. Um, and so how do we get our children to be more in control of what their outputs are and how do we get them to kind of see their learning as not just a series of isolated lessons, but things that all link together. And so that can we can apply that in any of our subjects and particularly with uh, computing and coding. It can be your outcome can be um, either to have designed something on a game like on an app like hopscotch or our youngest children really love the um, scratch junior because they can design on there the things that they want um or using the um app creator stuff like really long term this year we're looking to collaborate with some secondary schools and some older children that can write code so that any of the apps that our children want to design someone could have a go at writing for them Mm-hmm. Love that. That's cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you have any uh, special way you want to publish, or is that in, within the curriculum, or or the Apple thing, or or are you thinking about uh, publishing somewhere where we can really have a look at what you guys are doing? Or yeah, I mean the the aim is to get some stuff on the App Store, but for us, really, like to get that, we need to find some some budding coders that want to help some primary schools in Hackney. <laughs> if anyone's out there, <laughs> yeah, I was more thinking about like uh, cool videos or, or oh for sure, uh, yeah. solving problems or or yeah things like that, like yeah. minor things that can be really yeah. big from from a learning perspective. Um, something really great we did last year is um, make some videos for our, our children in year five and year six who 
use Swift and do lots of robotics with drones and Sphero as well. Um, They made some videos for, so the year six made videos for the year five children um, so that when they're moving on to the next challenges in their lessons, they've got some tutorials. Mm -hmm. But what was also really great is that we have these coders that just fly with it. They get, you know, it's something they're passionate about. They're really interested in um, web design and app creation and so on. And they start kind of going above and beyond what the rest of the class are doing. And the teachers are really confident to let them do that because the teachers are kind of learning alongside them. So they're coding alongside everybody else. And what we found last year is that we had these kids that were basically teaching the lessons to everyone. We've got these great videos of the teacher sort of sat with a table like you know, he's on the on the table that gets extra support. And this kid's just airplaying his code. He's got a group like working on debugging one thing, another group doing something else. Um, and so these little how-to videos that we've made have really helped our children learn from one another, but also for, for us to see how far these kids can go when, you know, when they find something they enjoy. But that's what you want, really, because as a teacher, you just want to drink coffee and relax, <laughs> isn't it? Okay. I mean, that's the point, isn't it? <laughs> totally, totally. Okay, brilliant. Sounds brilliant. Cassie, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight for the chat. It's, it's nice to have another voice uh, on our podcast other than the four dulcet tones of us men. So um, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to seeing how everything progresses this year. Great, guys. Loving your work. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Wow. I think uh, having, uh, it's, yeah, at least one other voice. It's kind of left me a bit (laughs) speechless. It's been not used to having someone else chat to us on here, but huge thanks to Cassie for taking the time to to come and chat to us. Matt, Cassie obviously did that a wee bit live, but if people are wanting to um, get in touch and actually speak about, you know, other stuff, what can, how can they do that? Yeah, we, we, we love the questions, guys. We love the chats um, from, from audience. So if you have questions for us, please do use hashtag questions with Matt. Um, you can um, drop that to each of us individually um, or find us at Last Recap on Twitter. Yes, definitely. And I think we had all the range now. We had recording within the Anchor app um, and uh, now live, which is really nice. And then just reach out. And I think that's cool. Sorry, Martin. (laughs) No, that's okay. I think the the next thing is going to have to be a last recap live show. (laughs) We actually actually record somewhere and we get audience participation. That would Um, be fun. So fun. It will be. So we've got a, a pretty packed show coming up next week. As Matt said, as part of the chat, we've got uh, EU Code Week. And that actually leads me to the EMEA chat. The EMEA chat this week is all on the Coding Classroom. And and that's going to be Miriam Walsh and myself hosting that on Tuesday, October 8th. Um, over in the Americas, we have Music Creation in the Classroom. That's going to be uh, hosted by Mary Kemper and Erica Moser. Um, and that's going to be at 6 p.m. Uh, specific uh, Pacific time. Um, and that's also on Tuesday, October 8th. So we'll be recapping those next week. But in the meantime, Johan, um, what should people do if they like the show? 
Oh, they should definitely listen to us, but they can reach out on Twitter at Last Recap uh, for the show itself. Or they can find us uh, personally on Twitter. And uh, let's start with you, Martin. Where can you find uh, you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at mcoots, C-O-U-T-T-S, 81. Yeah, and Matt? I'm at Matt6453. And I'm going to put you on the spot, Matt. Where can you find Kurt? You can find Kurt at Mr. Kurt. Is that right? M-E-S-P-E-R-K-U-R-T. Definitely. And you can find me at Anderson underscore E-D-U. And it's a double S in Anderson. Um, And I just want to say before we say thank you, we should say thank you for to you for downloading this podcast. If you like a show, please rate and review us. Listeners, comments and ratings keep us high in the ranking so that new listeners can find us. Please be sure to find us at Last Recap on Twitter for more news and podcasts. And over, over to you, Martin. Thanks, Johan. Yes, I think it's been a, a pretty packed show. There's been a, a lot happening there. We'll look forward to hearing you all next week. But for now, Matt, say goodbye. Goodbye, Matt. Johan, say goodbye. Goodbye, Johan. I will say goodbye for Kurt and for myself. Goodbye and thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time. Bye.